people have, the society has become more hungry for attention. What I mean by that is, you're going to roll your eyes at this, but these days, um, there's this thing called the Tide Pod Challenge. It's these pods that you throw into the washing machine. And for the sake of getting views on their YouTube channel so people could recognize and say, man, you're crazy, kids are eating these poisonous detergent pods, frying it, biting into it, and videotaping themselves. What's the purpose of this? Why would you do that? To see how many views and likes you can get. And so Tide and the government has posted, please do not do this for your health's sake. And another person recently, um, he was popular amongst teenagers who I don't recommend. I, if parents, grandchildren don't. And there's a, there's, a, there's a man who had this YouTube channel and he went to Japan into this forest where there's been many suicides and he decided it would be a good idea to videotape a, a someone already who hung himself and kind of give his expressions and thoughts, all for the sake of millions of views. And so we live in this weird society where we're affirmed, we're acknowledged, we're recognized, we feel important, we feel great. When people say, you're great, we see you, I like your views, great video, keep going. And so they try to outdo one another and the views and the videos are just getting outrageous. We, what, and news ratings, adults, we're not really out of this because what do CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, ABC, what do they go for? No matter what they say, I learned this in media in college. Ratings. Whatever can get the viewership. So we have this society where the world thinks the more recognized we are, the more affirmed you are, the more people say you are great, we feel great. And here's what Jesus cuts against all of that. He's saying not just in the kingdom of God, but in reality, true greatness, it comes from humility. True greatness doesn't come from power, but it comes from surrender. True humility and greatness comes from serving, not being served. And so C.S. Lewis has this wonderful quote. You might have heard this. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. And what I would add is thinking of Jesus more and thinking of others more. And so CPCLM vision statement, it says love Jesus, leading people to love Jesus, love others, love yourselves. What does that third part mean? It, it means that we are so satisfied with the love that Jesus has for us we don't have to go around to try to say, love me, love me. We're satisfied in Christ, and it frees us to focus on others. So it's serving. We're not here to say, look at me, look at me, look how I sing, look how I preach, look how I teach, look at my pretty clothes, look at what I've done for the church, look at me. But it's rather, I am good with that. I have Jesus. What are your needs? Ooh, look at that person. Oh, Look at his neighbor. And so it frees us to love others because we have found love for ourselves. So today in John 13, we have a succinct story and we heard a little brief uh, part of it in the sermonette. But Jesus, on the night that he was basically betrayed after the Lord's Supper, 
uh, Luke tells us with John, if you juxtapose them, combine them together, that the disciples were arguing about who the greatest is. I mean, this is Jesus. He's ready to go on the cross and die for the sins of humankind. And his disciples for three years who've been following him are fighting about, I hope I become great. And just, I just can't imagine what Jesus is feeling. And so he washes his feet knowing that God has put all things under his power and he loves them to the end. Jesus gets up and says true power doesn't come from a scepter. It comes from a rag. And I feel like, isn't that a great message we all need to embrace today? That the rag is the sign of greatness in Jesus' eyes. And so he gets down and he washes a feet and just so, you know, he goes around and Peter, being Peter, says, are you going to wash my feet for real? And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And then Peter gets zealous and he says, can you wash my whole body? And Jesus is like, whoa, tiger. I'm just going to wash your feet. It's all you need. You've been washed, meaning I fully, you, I am your savior. You just need your feet washed. Although not every one of you is not clean, referring to the one who's going to betray him. And so Jesus goes on, and he washes their feet, and then he asks this question. After Jesus had washed their feet, he put his outer garment back on, because basically he was in his undergarments, which means basically his underling, his underwear, that's what he was wearing to wash their feet. He puts his outer cloth back on, and he asks this question. You ready for this? Do you understand what I have just done to you? I think he asked that because we don't sometimes understand what Jesus does. Because you could have taken that away and be like, our feet must have been really dirty, John. Gosh. Or maybe he's mad because we didn't wash each other's feet. Or maybe I'm feeling pretty special right now. I must be really important. The teacher washed my feet. And Jesus is asking, do you understand? Because I don't think you understand. See, I think today we serve, and we have to get this straight. I'm realizing that a lot of times we serve in choir, praise team, kitchen, serving, welcoming, Bible study. But who are you really serving for? Do you understand what I've done for you? Are you serving so you feel good about yourself? Or are you serving because there really was a need and you've humbled yourself to sacrifice your time? To lift others up. Who are you really serving for? Again, C.S. Lewis, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. In that service, were you thinking about, oh, all these things I gave up, I can't believe it, I'm here, gosh, I guess, God, you need me again. Is that about God or is that about you? Do you understand what I am doing for you? Luke 22, here's the exact quote text, a dispute arose among the disciples as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. I feel like Jesus is saying, I'm fed up. I'm done with this. Jockeying for rights. Do you know who I am? Do you know what my title is? And Jesus is saying, I'm I'm done. I'm about to go to the cross and I'm not going to play this game of enabling your self-centeredness. Here's what greatness is. Do you understand what I'm doing? It's about being a servant. I feel like if I could summarize that, this is what I'm saying. 
Jesus is saying more than the activity at church in your life of charity. You know, I help people that one time, 10 years ago, I gave something. Jesus is saying more than an activity, listen to this. He's saying, I want you to embrace the identity of a servant. Can you say identity? See, you could, can you be arrogant, self-righteous, narcissistic, and serve at church? Absolutely. Pastors are number one candidates for that. Really, as a pastor, we were diagnosed as one of the most narcissistic people. Because what does it take to get up in front and talk to people for 20 minutes and handle this to you? So how do you mitigate that? By recognizing that in that service, God and others are first, and you are a servant. It is this, identi- it's this identity that I am not doing this as an activity, but I am doing this because I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, those are words that I feel like should be tattooed. If you're ever going to get a tattoo, that's the tattoo that can't be washed off. You've got to burn it off of me because this is who I am. And I feel like saying this. Can you say this with me? I am a servant of Jesus Christ. See, membership of a church is not benefits from a club. But membership to a church means I have died in Christ and I have been baptized alive again. So I am born again as a servant, a child of God to be his servant. But if church becomes a place where I want my song, I want my pew, I want my program, I want, I want, you could do all the activity in the world, but your identity is corrupted. Your identity is a servant, and Jesus is asking, do you understand what I have just done for you? Because who is Jesus? Their master and God. So I got three questions. How do you view yourself in this story? How do you view yourself? How should we view ourselves? Uh, Hollywood does a great job of this. If you look at all the Hollywood movies, uh, they get this right. The villains are not this egotistical, self-centered jerks. They're the villains. Even Hollywood gets that the humble, blessing people who sacrifice. You know, even the movie Braveheart, Mel Gibson, you know, he gives his life for Ireland. Is that Scotland? Sorry, Scotland. Der, that's a bad no-no. So he gives his life for Scotland. They're like, oh, he's incredible, courageous, and gives himself up. You know, Matrix, Neo, at the end he dies. He gives himself up. Even Hollywood gets it. Who am I? Service. A servant is someone who is not more than a master. I am a servant who is humble, who doesn't serve out of condescension or arrogance. You know when Jesus washed the feet, could you picture Jesus going, I'll wash you too. Jeez. Can you picture Jesus doing that? Like, Judas. The presumption is Jesus equally serves I mean, humbly, without condescension, without, all right, I'm willing to do it for you. It's, and so, what, who am I? I am somebody who serves without any presumption of my importance. Isaiah 29, 13 says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me based on human rules that have been taught. 
You know what that's saying, church? You serve and you worship great. You sing wonderful. Your hearts are not anywhere near worship. You can do an activity without an identity. Who am I? (laughs) Because I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. It hurts, it's sacrificing, but Lord, for you and for others, I'll do it. Because what did you give up for me? Second question, how do we view Jesus? Who is Jesus? He says this, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Just catch that one more time. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also should watch another's foot. Now, what, just, just raise your hand if you've ever had your feet washed in a worship service in camp or anything. Have you ever? Okay, yeah, I've done it. Um, my, in 1986, I was in my youth group for the first time. I hated my brother. I really did not have a good relationship with my brother. My brother hated me. I didn't like him. He's four years older than me. Uh, we were not close at all. The first breakthrough we had was at a youth retreat because I was in sixth grade now, so I go to youth. There were 60 youth group kids, and the pastor said, we're going to have foot washing. So I was like, all right. And I'm not sure what was going on because I'm just trying to check out the girls. I'm in hitting puberty, sixth grade. It's camping. Mosquitoes are biting me. And then they're going around, and there's basins, and so you pick it up and go to someone wash your feet. I did not see this coming. My brother, in tears, comes straight to my feet with the basin. And I did not see that coming at all. Broke me and shattered me and devastated me because of this reason. He's my big brother. In Korean circles, big brother is like dad. Big brothers, I wash your feet. You don't wash my feet. And the world collided spiritually, relationally, our history, and that broke through. God's grace broke through in that because the big brother was willing to be a servant. Now, just take a step back. Jesus is God, the one who created this universe, the one who allows us to wake up every day We don't get to live. We are allowed to live each day. And he is merciful with us, patient with us. And further, he gets on his knees and washes the feet of the sinners who say, I don't need you. I'm going to live it my way. And he washes our feet. How do we view Jesus? Do you think he demands our worship? Or when you see that, does that invoke worship in your hearts? This is our God. Master has done this, and he says, no servant is greater than his master. If I've done this, come on. We could do this together. Serve. Lastly, how do you view others? In that 12, who was sitting there? We had a denier three times. What's his name? His feet were washed. Do you think Jesus didn't know that? He told him that. You're going to deny me three times. (laughs) The world falls away. I will never fall away because I am Peter. (laughs) Who else was there? A betrayer. Wash his feet. Who else was there? Ten people who would abandon him. And he washed every single one of those feet. You know what 
that is teaching us? How do you view others? You don't go, I like Scott. I'll wash his feet. John, oh, I'll pretend I don't see him. What is Jesus teaching us? A servant indiscriminately serves even the enemies based on whatever need that is. This is how my kingdom runs. You see, we have birthday parties or Christmas parties and you invite certain people, partly because you don't have space, but also because like, yeah, we could kind of, she doesn't have to know. I think Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, my servants look at people of every color, race, tribe, and tongue and says, if you have a need, would you mind if I served you? Would you mind if I turned the other cheek? Would you mind if I carry that an extra mile? Would you mind if I just was your servant? How do we serve and see each other? You don't favor anybody, but we look at every people with dignity and honor and love them, and that's why we go to missions and serve them. Now, I don't want to get political, but I really try to just process what just happened this week, and I want to give, even to the very end, the benefit of the doubt, but should a leader of our country say that some parts of the world is less inferior than another part, I want to tell us that in Christ's economy, that does not float at all. Because in Revelation 7 and 9, it says, And there were gathered a multitude, so many that I couldn't count, from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And this is the humble king who brings all these people together. And you and I are the servants in the song that we sang to serve those in need around us. Amen? Amen. This is the mark of a Christian. And so, how do we look at all this? We were saved not to just go to heaven, not just so we could live our lives with God's insurance plan, not just so that we could say at least we'll see them again, not for a reunion, but we were saved so that you could live each day of your life here as a servant to the Lord Most High and to serve the people right next to you. Let's get real practical then. Here's a challenge. In 2018, if this is a year that you have been coming for a while, here's a challenge to you. Serve. Children's ministry, youth ministry, young adults ministry, sound, audio, video, BNG, finance, music, worship, mission. Find one area where you can say, Lord, I want to give you my best. Find. Don't just come to worship. We're not a club where you get the benefits. Serve. Give. Two, application. What would it look like for your life to be not just have a compartmentalize of, I got my things and then here, I'll give charity once in a while and I'll serve here. But Jesus shatters that and says, how about your whole life is servanthood and you serve and you live a life for God's glory and for blessing others. What would that look like? What would that change? What would that do in the way that you get angry, the way you plan, the way you budget, the way you schedule? Because Jesus is not merely asking for your participation. He's asking for you, all of it. Have you understand what I have done for you? 
If I, your master, have done this, go and do this to others. And the people said, Amen. Let it be so, Lord. Let's pray. God, we need our worldview shattered, even every day if it needed. Because the sin nature that we've been forgiven of, sin, the nature still kind of messes us up. We start thinking that life is about us and church is about us and even you exist for us rather than we exist for you. And God, we're so sorry. We ask for your forgiveness for trying to drive this car and letting you be our passenger rather than letting you drive this car and we go wherever you want us to be. God, we ask that you would help us to be a humble church. And I know we do angel tree and and missions, but I think what you're asking for is more than these activities, you want our full lives to look like humble service to you. And so help us take that big gulp and swallow our pride and to not think of our less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less so we could think of Jesus, your greatness, and we could think of others around us. May we be known as a church that exhibits the fragrance of the kingdom of Jesus Christ in the way we live, in the way we speak, in the way we live our work lives so that you would be glorified. These things we pray in your name who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.